Welcome to a new episode of Esports Boom, your weekly esports business podcast. My name is Maurice Eisenman and joined this week by another special guest, uh, Shay Butler, the Vice President of Sales and Marketing at uh, Envy, uh, also you know the parent company uh, or affiliate team of Dallas Fuel. Obviously, very um, very timely given the fact that the OWL just ended, um, the first season ended a few weeks ago. Uh, so, Shay, how are you? I'm good, Maurice. It's uh, it's wonderful to be on the podcast. I've listened for a long time, so I'm doing great and happy to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, and, and excited to have you on. Uh, cool to hear about you know the Dallas scene again, um, which uh, obviously we'll talk a little bit about later on. Um, but uh, for new listeners, uh, there are two halves of the podcast. The first half is we're going to go through the esports business stories of the last week, week and a half that are relevant. Um, we will kind of give our takes on it and discuss them. Uh, the second half of the podcast will be, um, you know, us going through the story of Shay, you know, what brought him to uh, Envy, what, um, what he's doing there right now and kind of his, his area of expertise in the space. So let's move on right away to our first story. So um, Atlanta and Guangzhou were confirmed as new Overwatch League franchise cities last week by uh, ESPN. So, um, and by, I think the OWL itself, uh, Cox Enterprises and Las Vegas based advisory firm Province Inc. will own the Atlanta team through a joint venture uh, called Atlanta Esports Ventures, which will be the second U.S. communications conglomerate to own a team after Comcast with their Philadelphia Fusion. Guangzhou will be owned by the Nanking Group, a financial and entertainment conglomerate controlled by billionaire Zhang Naoxing, uh, who also owns the Guangzhou Long Lions uh, of the Chinese Baseball Association. Prizes were not disclosed, but sources familiar with the OWL's expansion efforts said that they were seeking at least $30 million. Uh, that number could, you know, go up to 60, depending on competitive bids, desirability of cities, and um, how many people play Overwatch in, in that area. Uh, the 12 charter spots in the league uh, sold in 2017 for 20 million or around 20 million. So, you know, Shay, obviously, given the fact that you work closely uh, or you work in the OWL with uh, the Dallas Fuel, um, what are your thoughts on on having another American city with Atlanta in, and then our second uh, Chinese city with Guangzhou? Uh, I think it's great. Um, I'm excited for uh, two, you know, probably more more than two teams to join the league, and I think Atlanta is a great marketplace for gaming. Um, I know that you know there are several companies based there that are heavily involved in gaming. Um, I think Scuff is is based in Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, I think that as the Overwatch League continues to grow, <clears throat> I think it's going to be interesting to see how they divvy up, you know, North America, Europe, and Asia into, you know, what's shaking out to be the first truly global sports league. Um, and so I think that that the addition of both Atlanta and Guangzhou are exciting, you know, not only for me as one of the teams, you know, in the Overwatch League, but I think for Blizzard to see that um, the success of season one of the Overwatch League wasn't, you know, uh, a facade that it, you know, it's real and it's, it's the demand is still there. Um, so I'm pumped. I mean, I really am. Um, 
and in it, Atlanta is not too far of a flight from Dallas. Uh, so once our guys are here playing in season three, it'll at least, you know, it will be easier travel for us if we get them on our schedule. Absolutely. It's a bit different than uh, Guangzhou. Yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is really interesting because I think, you know, Commissioner Nancer said that his focus really was for, for this year, for the expansion, to focus on outside of the U.S. Obviously, Atlanta, as you mentioned before, already is kind of a hub for gaming. So that's a, a valid exception. Guangzhou is really cool to see, a second Chinese city, given you know how much of a hotbed for gaming China is. But, you know, taking away your, your hat as someone who works in the OWL, just as someone who looks at the business from the outside, if you could pick, you know, one or two cities um, that will have franchises announced this year, uh, which one would that be? Oh, man. You mean potential cities that I think make sense to have an Overwatch League team? Exactly. If you were an investor or, or if, you, if you were, you know, if you, you care about the industry, what are some cities you think, oh, this is really, I would really love it for here to be a, a, an expansion team? Um, that's a good question. I think there, you know, there are still several cities, you know, in North America and in, in, even in the U.S. that I think could have a thriving Overwatch League team. You look at just you just look at the cities that have some of the other traditional sports uh, teams and leagues, you know, that are super popular there. And I think that uh, the two will go hand in hand. I think Chicago could have a great team. Um, I'm from Phoenix. I think Phoenix could su- support a great team. Um, and then you know, being part of Team Envy, you know, we have a lot of fans in Europe. Um, I know the European gaming audience would would probably um, really enjoy having a uh, an Overwatch League team there. So whether it's uh, somewhere in France or Germany, I think, um, you know, make that flight a little shorter for the Spitfire would be nice for them. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, you know, the Chinese um, and the, the Asian market as a whole, you know, those fans are some of the best in the world. And so um, I think there's going to be even more cities, I think, in China that could could and probably will have teams um, in the Overwatch League, um, you know, and then also the surrounding countries they're in. So, um, yeah, no, I think I think there's a, still a long way to go. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think. The, the NHL, I think, has 32 teams now. I think the NFL's at 30. NBA's at 30, right? And then what's the MLB at? They at 30 also? You're, you're asking the wrong person. I've, <laughs> so, I've, I've, so I think, no, yeah, you're right. No, I, I, so I think they're all around 30. And so, um, I mean, I think the, the possibility of, you know, sports leagues whether it's the overwatch league or some other game i think definitely have the the capability of sustaining leagues uh at that level with that many teams yeah yeah <laughs> when it comes to mlb i watched my my first live baseball game only like two months ago so um definitely not the the audience to ask that question too but you mentioned something really interesting you mentioned uh paris and germany which i would love to see uh Paris, I think there were some rumors, um, so maybe we'll see that. But uh, I would love to see a Canadian team as well. I don't, we, we don't have one you know, as of yet. I think we have a Overwatch Path to Pro team somewhere in Canada um, for contenders, but you know, that's obviously not the same. Uh, and that's obviously a huge market. Uh, so that, that's really cool. 
but we won't talk too much right now about the OWL just because that's, you know, we're going to talk in depth about that in our second half. So let's move on to, to our second story. So eSports and the NFL have uh, unveiled their extended Madden NFL championship series uh, for 2019. Uh, it will feature a prize pool of um, $1.255 million. There will be four key majors, uh, the Madden NFL Classic, in October 11 to 13, the Madden NFL Club Championship, January 30th to February 2nd, the Madden NFL 19 Challenge, March 15th to 17th, and the Madden NFL 19 Bowl held during NFL Draft Weekend. Uh, but playing in those and some smaller events, competitors earn points that can help them secure a spot in the season-ending NFL 19 Bowl. Additionally, the club championship process allows each NFL team to crown a pro representative to play on its behalf in the Madden NFL 19 Championship Series. The club championship uh, boasts Madden's largest single event prize pool to date at $700,000. The total season prize pool, as I mentioned before, of $1.255 million is also the largest to date. So we're seeing Madden take a, a more of a grassroots approach right now than the NBA, which takes more of a league approach. Um, with a lot of these kind of smaller tournaments, which lead up to a bigger one, uh, they're definitely taking Madden a lot more serious. Uh, Shay, given your your background in traditional sports, you know how do what are you how do you look at this? Um, you know these uh, these announcements. Um, I so I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little later, but I, I'm, you know, I mean, I grew up a console guy, so I grew up with the call of duties of the world and the NHLs and the Maddens and the MLB, the shows. And, um, and so once I joined envy, I finally made the plunge all in on, on PC gaming. So I haven't played sports games in a while. Um, just cause as you know, it's, they're not as you know popular, uh, if, if even available on, on PC, but I think that it's the perfect way for them to be approaching esports, right? Is to, I think what they're doing is they're, they're getting, um, basically each of the NFL teams is going to get to pick a, um, a champion that represents their team, right? That will yeah. go into this and be, and be competing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's the best way to do it, you know, go, go where the people are. And I know that there are so many fans in the NFL who have kids that are, that are gamers and that are esports fans. Um, and probably a lot of them are also fans of, of that football team. And I think um, being able to tap into that in a, in a true authentic way, like they're, like they're doing um, is a cool way to do it. I am still um, um, curious to see how sports esports plays out um, and where they kind of settle in, you know, in the landscape of esports and where their popularities uh, end up comparing to, you know, the MOBAs and first person shooters and, and strategy games um, that we have right now. And so I'm still, you know, on the fence of, of whether or not I think it will be as popular as, you know, League of Legends, Dota, Overwatch, CSGO, things like that. Um, but I think they seem to be approaching it thoughtfully. Um, and the other thing, you know, one of my philosophies with esports is to um, put your faith in the biggest and the best um, developers and publishers. And I think, you know, EA, EA is just, I mean, they're, they're um, really good at what they do and they're really smart. Um, and so I think that if anybody can figure out the sports, esports scene, having them be super involved like they, like they are will, will only be beneficial, I think, for the NFL. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, 
you know, you kind of touched on this already, but I, I really like the fact, you know, that they, they are not going all in right away. They are, you know, they, they allow teams to hold their own tournaments to get a player and that player will only represent the NFL team for, you know, a few months. So it's not like they are committing themselves to, you know, a long-term contract with, you know, five players like the, like the NBA does. Um, especially given the fact that the NFL is a bit more of a traditional organization. Um, they're not as progressive digitally as the NBA. Um, I think this fits, you know, in their comfort zone. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm also curious um, about the, about the, the strength of traditional sports as esports. Um, I think it it should all be taken with a grain of salt. But I was talking to someone who was at the um, the FIFA E World Cup uh, last weekend, uh, which was like the culmination of all the FIFA events, and it was held in the O2 Arena. They had about a few thousand seats, uh, but I think they didn't break a thousand. Uh, mm. And you know what they said is the stream numbers were doing really well. But we couldn't fit the, you know, the, the, the ticket sales were below what they expected. And, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a very tough, very tough thing. And it's something that all these publishers and these teams and, and, and traditional sports need to struggle with. It's, a, it's the digital product, at least for the next five, six years, is always going to be, you know, secondary to the the real world uh, equivalent. And I think that's tough because if you're looking at any other esports title, obviously Street Fighter is a lot better than, you know, people who play Street Fighter, they, they don't just, they're not, you know, professional street ballers or they don't mm-hmm. go outside fighting people. Yes. Uh, so, and, and obviously you can do a lot more on Street Fighter than you can do if you, even if you do mixed martial arts. Um, you can't do an Hadouken in real life, unfortunately. So, <laughs> yeah, so I, no, you're right. Yeah, so I think it's it's something that they're struggling with, but it's definitely a good additional additional stuff. So, so we're going to talk more about your background later. But you you, you obviously come from an, an NHL background. Um, what are your thoughts on on NHL esports, particularly because of the you know the fact that the NHL games aren't as popular as Madden or NBA 2K or FIFA for that matter? So it's a good question, um, and NHL is is probably the the sports title I have played the most. Um, so <clears throat> I think one of the challenges that sports titles may have is is the and I'm this is just my opinion, but I think the audience that really plays a lot of sports titles are people that don't have maybe as much time to game as someone that really digs in and, and wants to be master grandmaster on overwatch right like that just takes so much time whereas sports games they're really good at being able to hop in hop out um and so sometimes you don't get as the diehard hardcore um gaming fans and so and and in my opinion i think some of those diehard hardcore gaming fans are the ones that are watching esports on twitch that take the time to put put in when you know csgo majors might be or when the overwatch league matches are so that they can take time and, and stop and watch whatever that esport event is that they're interested in. And I think that sports games, they're so good at being casual that it maybe doesn't lend itself to 
creating the um, um, the passion, you know, and and I'm all in that MOBAs and you know some of the first person shooters have. So back to the NHL is I think um, you know I spent eight years with the Stars and I and I truly think that NHL and hockey fans are some of the best fans in all of sports. Um, their uh, their enthusiasm um, I think is is something that a lot of other sports would love to have. And so I do think that level of um, excitement and passion, if those fans also play NHL, the video game, I think they're going to see that they can convert some of that excitement into viewership numbers for, for um, NHL esports. Uh, I also think that the, um, the, the skill gap and the skill level high to low on NHL is really high. I've gotten my butt kicked way too many times in NHL. And so I know that that exists. And, and to me, that's what esports is all about, right? Is, yeah. is, you know, watching people do what you can't do. Um, so that's why I watch you play Hearthstone. So often. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not, you're not bad yourself. Man. <laughs> um, Does that, that answer? Hopefully that helps. I mean, yeah, I think, I think that the NHL, you know, I think they're going to do 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 it pretty well. Yeah, and they they they're already serious as well with their their work with NBC. And um, you mentioned Hearthstone after after podcast. We have to talk a little bit Hearthstone with the the expansion just coming out. Yes, please uh, send me a deck code. I don't have. <laughs> I need a deck. So uh, oh, I have a great good deck for you. But uh, <laughs> um, we uh, so so moving on to our third story, and it's got it's kind of um, it's all connected because this is also about. Uh, traditional sports moving into esports but a little different so arsenal superstar and german international soccer player uh, mesut ozil uh, has launched his fifa focused esports team um, in collaboration with uh, an esports consulting agency called esports reputations uh, which manages a number of fifa pros as well as league of legends pro uh, power of evil uh, the team will focus on recruiting fifa pros from around the world similar to uh, the esports brand of Christian Fuchs, another uh, German player in the Premier League. So we've seen quite a lot of uh, soccer players launch their FIFA teams. Uh, we have seen, obviously, soccer teams launch um, their FIFA teams as well. But, you know, let's forget about soccer teams. Let's focus on players. This is pretty unique in soccer because we haven't seen NFL or NBA players launch their Madden team or NBA 2K team. Uh, so, what do you think of, of of a move like this? I think it's uh, I think it's intelligent. Um, and it uh, who who's the one? Uh, Masut? Am I saying that right? He he's yeah. the one that that launched the team. Yeah. Um, so, you know, something that I harp on a lot here at NBA and Fuel is you know, fans are fans because they care about something, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to continue to give them a reason to care. And so, you know, I think with Masut starting his own FIFA team, he, he's obviously got fans that already care about him and care about Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and now if he can capture FIFA fans, um, you know, that may be able to make that connection with him um, that are just, you know, both diehard and casual FIFA fans, I think that it's a smart way for him to go about it to create this, um, this entity that can, you know, live on long after he's done playing soccer. Um, so I think it's interesting. And, but it, FIFA is, is set up in a way that um, allows for the players to kind of create their own teams. Right. So yeah. how I, I, it would, it seems like it would be harder for uh, 
LeBron to create a 2K team or, or um, Dak Prescott to create a Madden team, unless it was just a specific group of guys that they wanted to sponsor to go do more amateur type tournaments, right? Yeah. Um, so, so I think FIFA, I mean, soccer in general, I think is one of the coolest uh, leagues as far as the format is concerned. Um, you know, and there's obviously esports leagues that are structured similarly, but I like the fact that you have something to lose if you finish last. I like the fact that, you know, you can have these, um, these stories of, you know, guys going from not really, but essentially the couch to being champions because they've worked their way up and gone, gone up through the ranks. And so I think FIFA creating, um, the ecosystem that they've created, uh, allows for guys like this to create their own FIFA team. Uh, and it just, it just makes the FIFA brand bigger and, and better. Um, so yeah. I think it's pretty cool. Don't you, don't you have a FIFA player at Envy? Uh, we do. Yep. Um, and so we actually, uh, we've been in FIFA for a while. Um, I'm, I, I have not played a ton of FIFA. Um, but I know that, um, uh, it's through our, our FIFA guys in the Gfinity. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he's, uh, they're doing great and we, they compete in a lot of the, the European FIFA stuff. Um, and I think what was it, uh, that we just got done with, the. Uh, e-world cup yeah exactly we didn't win it but we're always give it our our team envy best um and so you know we're proud of those guys and and um it'll be interesting to see where fifa goes next because uh if fifa because it's you know also an ea game if they find success with their madden structure um i think that it would be cool for um some of those premier league teams to have their own representatives yeah you know, kind of competing like the nfl and madden are trying to do yeah the the mls already has kind of a similar structure or some that's European right leagues that have a more formalized structure but what's really cool about fifa and and what's the difference between soccer and you know football and basketball is the fact that Soccer's is so much bigger, meaning there are so many players out there, so many more teams that, that are relevant. So having a more open structure um, that, that kind of mirrors soccer you know, professionally uh, obviously makes more sense than just having one league for everyone. Like having localized leagues make, makes a lot more sense. Um, and FIFA is, you know, in my opinion, the only title of the three you know, big sports titles, sports simulation titles, um, that has serious, you know, esports power as it is. I mean, it's not a League of Legends kind of power, but you know, there are influencers who get and and streamers that get tons of concurrence. Um, there's a serious competitive scene out there, uh, even before the strong involvement of traditional sports teams. So, as you mentioned before, I'm really excited to see how this approach kind of goes in comparison to that of madden that we mentioned before um because because they did yeah. that with mls like you like you mentioned but mm -hmm. they haven't done that with premier league or in Europe, yeah right I, I yeah i although i do you know i think it's it's a matter of time time yes. for all of those leagues to, to jump in but you know it's a bit different if you're mls who is really a challenger league right they're they're, yep. they're small and then if you're a premier league that's the biggest soccer league out there arguably um although i, I don't want the my friends at the bundesliga to hear that <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh yeah so so those are our three big stories um but a lot more interesting uh in my opinion is is uh really your background so you know Shay, how about you tell the audience what brought you from the stars 
to uh, Envy and the Dallas Fuel. So, well, uh, I, I don't think it's as interesting as most people will think it is, but uh, I'm happy to share. Um, you know, I grew up in Phoenix and I went to Northern Arizona University and uh, did a job shadow program with through an alumni um, uh, that had gone to NAU also and worked for the Stars. Uh, hi, Jamie. And, you know, she, you know, toured me around for a week and I got to see what it was like to work in sports and work in entertainment. And I was like, holy cow, this is this is the best. This, mm -hmm. I was a finance and management major and decided that this would be uh, more fun than uh, pounding spreadsheets or working at a bank. And so <clears throat> I begged her for a job for two months until I graduated and uh, she gave me an internship. I just wanted to get my foot in the door. Um, and so I took it and my parents thought I was kind of crazy. So I drove halfway across the country and sharpened skates for a few months until I finally got a, uh, a ticket sales job and um, ended up staying with the stars for eight years and um uh transitioning from ticket sales into the the partnerships world um and, and you know left as the director of corporate partnerships for the stars um but the last couple years of those eight seasons you know i became even more uh infatuated with gaming and you know it became a a true hobby um and a true passion of mine and so as uh, games like Overwatch and, you know, I was a big Destiny guy. I played a lot of Destiny. Um, as those games came out um, and I developed more time towards them, I started, you know, spending more time on YouTube, watching gaming content, spending more time on Twitch and realizing the, um, the, the future that gaming and esports had. And so, you know, I kind of always kept my head on a swivel and, you know, was, you know, um, watching the scene and, and just kind of knew at some point I probably would, would meet somebody that could maybe open the door for me in, into, you know, an esports career. Uh, and through a mutual friend, Ryan, I met uh, Mike Rufail, you know, the, also known as Hastro, who's the CEO of Team Envy. And um, I said, hey, Ryan, can you, I heard you know this guy, can you, can you help us get together and uh, have a beer? And selfishly, I was thinking, you know, Hastro would probably be a good hookup for a a free controller or something someday. So <laughs> I had no idea that he was looking for, for people to do sales and marketing, but I mean, me and me and Mike hit it off. He's one of the, the best people and best um, professionals that I've ever met. And, you know, he, you know, he basically that night said, Hey, I'm looking for a, a, a guy to head up all my sales and marketing. You know, are you interested? And I said, yes, for sure. Um, I'd be crazy not to be. Uh, and so that's, that's how I transitioned. And so I, I joined Envy basically, basically January 1st of this year. So I'm a little over eight months in, um, and it has been the, uh, fastest eight months of my life for sure. Uh, <laughs> I have a little, I have a 11 month old daughter, which I'm sure was part of that, but uh, I didn't know that. Congratulations. Yes, thanks. Yeah. So Danica, my wife, Danica and I, uh, and our daughter, Scotland have, uh, you know, it's been a whirlwind eight months, but it's been a ton of fun. Um, and so, I'm super happy and super blessed and glad that I made the move, but um, still a lot of work to do. You know, it's, it's the, the, the industry changes. It seems like daily. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, it's been fun. So two, two thoughts. First is it's really awesome how many times I, I see this, but um, one, I, I see kind of a thorough line of everyone that kind of, you know, you just, you take those meetings, you have an open mind. If you come from traditional sports and I love seeing esports teams having that focus of let's try to get someone who can get the job done. And I don't care if they're from traditional sports, we'll, we'll, um, we'll educate them on esports matters. Um, 
And my second thought is, what are the, what are the key differences you're seeing when it comes to partnerships and, and sales uh, between your work at the stars and, and, and traditional sports and the uh, ever-changing world of esports? It's a, it's a really good question. Um, and it's something I think a lot, about a lot. And, um, you know, when you're selling partnerships and, and selling sponsorships, it's kind of, it, it's a mindset that you can't turn off. And so, you know, you're driving down the highway and you see billboards and it's like, oh, there's a prospect there. Or I wonder what their objective was in, in this ad or that ad. Um, and so there's a lot of similarities, but there's definitely a lot of differences too. Um, and so at the stars, you know, we, we play out of American Airlines Center and it's the third busiest venue in the country behind Staples and Madison Square Garden. Um, and the stars, you know, their attendance skyrocketed the last few years. Um, they've had really good team on the ice. And so that always helps. And so <clears throat> the main assets, you know, that I had at my disposal at the stars were a lot of signage assets, a lot of TV and radio assets. Um, and then you have the traditional hospitality assets and things like that. But with esports, until we've got an arena for the fuel and the other team NB teams in, in season three of OWL, it's all digital. So it's all super custom. Um, it is all, you know, directly, for the most part associated with a brand's objectives. Um, and and, and I, to me, that is the best way to create um, meaningful impact for brands. And so it's all, but it's also challenging, right? Cause it's, it's not always easy to, to um, draw the dotted line between esports and uh, a non-endemic brand. And so yeah. that's one of the biggest differences. And if I was, you know, to ever go back to traditional sports, I would do way more custom content, way more social content, because I know that it's, you know, truly valuable, and it's just something that I didn't use well enough um, in my time at the Stars. Um, that's a that's really interesting because most people, when they say that come from traditional sports and, and move into esports, when I ask them this question, their answer kind of is like, oh you know, this thing from traditional sports, I wish I would have implemented this more in esports, you know, I've been working in esports for a few years, I wish I would have done that earlier. But I like seeing the fact that you're like, oh, no, there's this thing in esports that people are doing really well. And I wish I would have done that more at the stars. Uh, so that's, that's really, really cool. Um, but what are some of the things um, that are, that are harder for you in your role right now? at Envy in comparison with your time at the stars? Um, it, it, it depends on who you're talking to, but one thing that I never really had to do was explain what hockey was, you know, <laughs> that's sometimes, true. That's sometimes, true. sometimes people, they may not know what icing or offside is, but uh, they know that it involves ice and a puck and, you know, they know what it is. And especially when you're in the NHL and it's very concentrated and they know what the NHL is and it's the top league, for that sport in the entire world. Um, and so with esports, it's, it takes a lot more um, discussion and, and explanations and rightly so, you know, it's, I want everyone to know what, what this industry is all about and to know the, the minute details, however they want to ask about them. Um, but I mean, you know, this it, it's esports is, is, is uh, way flatter than the, than the traditional sports leagues are. And so being able to help, um, uh, marketing and um, decision makers and agencies and brands understand, you know, what certain leagues are and what certain games are and, and, and um, 
not everything is a shooter and, yeah. and not, not everything is, um, is, is, is a, the pro elite level. Right. Um, that's been the biggest challenge I think is just, you know, um, uh, not have, not being able to go into every conversation I have with just knowing, Hey, they know what we do and they know who we are. Um, yeah. so that, that, that is, um, but it's fun. It, it, it's, um, it's fun to talk about esports, and it's, you know, there's a lot of traditional sports folks that are, you know, way smarter than me that have made the jump. Um, but I think, you know, one of the unique things I have going for me and, and, um, and for team envy and the fuel is that I, <clears throat> I'm a true, true gamer. And like, I, pl- I, I honestly, I've, I've played less be- now than I could just because of the t- of time. Yes. Um, but it's like, I live, breathe, eat, sleep, you know, overwatch and hearthstone and, um, and, uh, several other games. And so I'm a true gamer and I, I love this stuff and I live for it. Uh, yeah. And, and we've talked about this, you know, offline, but I also think that while you're working with the stars, you are working for one of the, if not the biggest, uh, team in your area and the sponsors and the partners you are talking with are all people that are interested in the Dallas Fort Worth area. So obviously they know the stars. Um, I think the brands that you're talking with for Fuel and, and Envy aren't, as, aren't only Dallas brands. You know, a lot of them are kind of more national and international brands. So it's kind of a given, you know, everyone in Dallas knows the stars, right? You're, do do yep. you see that? Yeah. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And, and, and with the stars, you know, I kind of, I created my niche in finding those mid-level and, and larger businesses that that had local um, uh, objectives and initiatives that I could help you know solve through through stars assets and so um, yes you're right and so they knew for sure who the stars were and not only that a lot of them you could find a stars fan within those companies and so now esports is so global and it's so uh, far spread that I don't have the same luxury. Although I know that, you know, that's one of the, um, the visions that Mike had, you know, when he brought me on is that, you know, he knows that I've sold arena assets in this space before, mm-hmm. um, and in this market before. And so when we, when we have our arena, um, come 2020, uh, it, you know, hopefully there's a, a few contacts and friendships I've been able to maintain that, um, I can get to support team envy and the fuel, uh, just like they, continue supporting the the Dallas stars. So, yeah. And, um, you know, you hit right the point where we're, where we're going to talk about next, but OWL, it's the first year just ended. Um, you have been involved, uh, from the start of the season, basically. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the first year? Um, what are some things you're excited for, uh, for, for the next year as well? Um, I, my thoughts on the first year, um, it was a, it was a, a wild, fun, awesome ride with a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And you're right. I was there from basically day one through now and <clears throat> team envy or, or team envious as we were formerly known, uh, were one of the greatest overwatch teams in the world last year in calendar year 2017 and, um, and had some of the best players that have ever played the game. And so going into Overwatch League Season 1, obviously the Team Envious roster, most for the most part, uh, transitioned into the Dallas Fuel roster. 
you know, we, our expectations were sky high and we thought, you know, we, we had a real chance to win it. And, you know, um, we had some ups and downs and I think, you know, we ended with tremendous ups. And I think some of my takeaways are that esports is, is super interesting and I think will continue just to grow at the rate people are expecting because of the, um, uh, how dynamic it can be. And so, you know, for, for example, the, you know, Overwatch was in a dive meta for, I think, gosh, the first two and a half stages. And we just, we weren't as well prepared for a dive meta as I think some of the other teams and some of the other rosters. Uh, and so that really hurt us. And, and I think once that changed and Brigitte came out and uh, we started getting into a groove, um, things turned around. And so it would be like, I mean, and I know other people have used this example, but it'd be like if basketball could change the size of the hoop or change the size mm -hmm. of the ball on by the month, it would really affect how teams perform. Um, but it may, it adds an, a level of um, dynamicness that other sports don't have. Um, I think that lastly, I think that I'm so, so, so proud of our guys and, and how they recovered and, you know, ended up making stage four playoffs and, uh, went right down to the wire, you know, almost made stage four championship. And so they just never gave up, um, even though expectations were high. You know, we thought we could win the league and ended up not making um, the grand finals. Um, it was the first time that they'd kind of been through a 40-game grind of a season, um, you know, and it's, it's, I don't think it's anything that uh, esports guys have, have encountered in that way just yet. And so I'm, I'm proud of them. Um, yeah. And one of, you know, one of the things that, that when you mentioned it to me, I was really surprised with positively, but I, I, I got, but I saw it more with other teams as well. Like I saw this, this phenomenon, uh, not be an exception, but really be the rule is the embrace you guys got when you, when you organized local events, uh, meet and greets, watch parties, um, Talk a little bit about that because a lot of people, you know, especially not looking into next year, but the year after are looking at, you know, these players are eventually going to go to Dallas. They're eventually going to go to uh, New York and et cetera, et cetera. Um, how is the local OWL community going to embrace them? And I know you had some big success um, with some local activations. So tell, tell our audience a bit about that. The yes, um, the the fuel fans here in Dallas and you know around the north North Texas are have been awesome so far. Um, we've done some watch parties um, for some of the fuel matches. We have another one coming up uh, this in, in a few weeks for the All Star game. Mm -hmm. um, but it's funny I, we we did our first watch party at a, a bar called Max Southside here in in Dallas, and we didn't quite do it for the first match. Um, but we did it for, I think it was like the second or third match. And it was, that was the location that our fans through our subreddit had, had, uh, picked out like just on their own to, to kind of huddle around. And so we, you know, we wanted them to know, Hey, that we, we see you guys, we we're watching and we care what you care about. And, um, so we did it there and the, the bar held, I think the capacity is like two thirty. And I went to Mike and I said, Hey, we found our bar. We're going to do our first watch party here. It holds 230 people. You know, I've done a ton of watch parties for the stars and um, this is going to be fine. Like I, I know I, I'm pretty sure attendance were going to be great. He's like, it's not big enough. And I'm like, Mike, I promise like stars watch parties, you know, they get around 
you know, 200 people, like we're going to be fine. He's like, all right, man, but it's not big enough. And sure enough, Hastro knows what he's talking about. Cause in 24 hours we had 300 RSVPs and we're wow. just already, already 70 over capacity. And so we went to the bar next door and they said, yeah, sure. We'll put the game on. And so they shut it down for us. And then we ended up having just closed RSVPs at, I think it was like 550. Um, after taking over the, a third space, it was a grilled cheese place down the street. And so we had an accidental block party for the fuel and, uh, I'll send you some photos cause it was, it was, it was really, really awesome. Um, and we've had watch parties as big as, you know, nearly a thousand people at, at a entertainment venue called main event that's here in Dallas that, uh, that was also wildly successful. Um, so the fans come out, man, and they support us and, um, as fun as watching esports is on, on, on a screen, it's even better in person. And so I, I really can't wait until the guys are here um, playing in front of fans because I think they're just going to go nuts. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. That's, that's really awesome. And it's, it's, it's stories like these that, um, that really changed my mind on the OWL. I mean, listeners, you know, early listeners will know that before the league started, I was a lot more skeptical than I am right now. Uh, and I, I love being proven wrong with these type of things. And I'm just so surprised by the embrace of local communities. Uh, and I think the Dallas Fuel is a, is a great, great example of that. So for Dallas Fuel fans and, you know, anyone else that's looking at, at Envy in Dallas, what are some things that um, people can look out for uh, for next year? Um well, first off, uh, I have to apologize to Fuel fans for doubting you on that first watch party. I'll never do it again. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Um, so as far as like um, for next year, I know we want to have even more watch parties. Um, I think that we would love to have a venue um, that we can start having more interactions with fans, you know, at an actual like gaming and, and competition level. So we're, we're seeking seeking out opportunities like that. Um, Cause I think, you know, the, the, the parties that we've done and the events we've done thus far have been mostly watch based. Um, and I want to, I want to play with some fans, man. I want to, I want to get in there and, and grab a mouse and keyboard with some guys and gals and, and play some overwatch. And so I think that that's kind of our, our next to do is, is figure out the best way to go about that. Um, and then, you know, as, as the other, uh, team Envy teams are being developed and deployed, and you know our hope is that we can get a lot of those guys to move to Dallas. Um, not only does it make trading content way easier, um, but it create it, it allows us to do even more with um, with our teams and our players with fans that are you know here in North Texas. And so um, we're in active you know talks with all of our players and, and hoping to get a lot of them to move out here um, at some point in the in the future. Um, and the last thing we're, you know, we're participating in a, um, a big esports festival called OP live Dallas. That's, you know, it's being powered by team Envy and the Dallas fuel, uh, that's in September. And so that's going to be, um, a, a kind of a esports filled weekend with, um, both a collegiate overwatch tournament and a, um, a, uh, Fortnite, uh, event so what uh what weekend is that that's uh september 22nd and 23rd i think are the days um and so uh it's gonna be awesome tickets are already on sale um and so we are we are kind of hoping uh the it's a a, a group called agency um that's putting it on and we're helping them um launch it and and get the word out about it because it's going to be it's going to be fun um so it's the the website's oplivedallas.com 
so thanks Shay. this was this was a really awesome episode um you know love really love what the what the fuel is doing um so if people want to follow you if people want to follow envy the dallas fuel how can they do that um they can follow me on twitter it's uh shay s-h-a-y-t butler um and then uh our the envy website's just envy.gg um they can follow dallas fuel uh, on twitter dallas fuel and then um envy's twitter handle is envy e-n-v-y that's awesome um we'll put i'll put all those uh links in the description box um thank you so much for coming shay Thank you, Maurice. It's uh, I had big shoes to fill with, you know, Vinny and Manimal and Nate and all those guys. And so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I, I made them proud. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>